Tēnā tātou e te whanau, uh, koutou kua hui mai nei, uh, i tēnei pō, uh, ki tō tātou wānanga nei, uh, blockchain navigators, i te taho tēnei hautipua, uh, kerea mataiapa. Um, engari, mui te tīmata e, e tangi ana, e, e mihi ana, uh, ki a rātou kua mene atu ki tū o te arai, e whakāro ana, uh, ki a koe e pāpa e moana, uh, takoto mai rā, i tō moi ngā roa, uh, kua mihi a koe e te tini ngero ngero, Ko mihi a koe e o iwi e te tini tāngata e aroha nui ana ki a koe. Nō reira, moi mai rā. Koe i tū hei pau, hei pau toko manawa mo tātou teiwi Māori. Nō reira, ka tōtō mai i o mātauranga, i o whakākoranga ki roto ki tēnei wānanga, kia Māori te whakāro, kia tūturu te whakāro. Koutou te hunga wairua kia koutou. Ka huri mai ki a tātou. Mihi ana ki a koe i tuakana, kereama. Awesome, awesome, and I'm being excited as for this, for this wānanga. It's awesome to have you in this space. Um, you know, like looking into this blockchain space, into NFTs, into crypto, into um, yeah, the blockchain, the metaverse, and also kind of bringing the art for Karo as well. There's, it's been really cool to look around and see. Actually, there's there's actually quite a few Maori in this space. Um, that are not only just dipping our feet, but actually, you know, really leading the way or, you know, have done some quite deep dives. And um, that's one of the things that I was excited to to do with you is do some deep dives because I know, like, you've been doing lots of research. You've been teaching in the arts and the digital arts space um, and, and you've been looking into the blockchain space for a long time. Um, we had a little catch-up before this and, and the, the, the wānanga that we started having instantly was pretty mean so i'm really looking forward to tonight bro so thank you thank you for joining us oh bro nah me nice to be here thanks for the thanks for the invite um yeah yeah i'm i'm king bro let's go let's go let's go, let's go. <laughs> all right so um for those of you that that don't know um Kiriama, um firstly he's just he's an epic artist in his own right um visual visual digital and um, whakapi, which we'll get into later. Um, but it, as well as that, he's been teaching in the art space, in the Māori art space, and looking around things like IP, like um, your cultural identity within art, looking at like what are the messages that, we, that we're talking about with our art, and just living in the art world in general. And, you know, there's a couple of art worlds, and we'll get into that. But, bro, if, if, you're, if you're up for it, bro, give us a little bit of a background about, you know, ko koe no here. And like, what was your kind of journey that got you into where you are now? Yeah, Shout out to Honui for joining us too. Yeah, yeah brother. Yeah, brother. Um, yeah, so I, I hail from Chaurua and Tatiawa. Um, uh, what else? Um, <laughs> studied at Massey and Palmy um, under Bob Yonke, Shane Cotton. Um, so sort of went the academic route. Um, but before that, um, uh, dad, my dad's an artist, we type, he's uh, one of the founding members of Kaihanga Uku, so the Māori Ceramics um, Ropu. Um, my brother's an artist, he's been kicking it for, you know, decades, um, and he's been lettering and, and now in a, a higher position up at Massey. Um, and then, yeah, going right back to when we were just little, little as fellas. Um, we'd spend time with my mum's mum, 
and we'd go over to Wairarapa for the holidays, you know. Mum would drop us over there to get us out of her hair. Yeah. Um, uh, some and, time. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, and, and we just did lots of drawing and lots of painting. So um, I suppose before I even got to art school, I was already, you know, in, in, in art. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's 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 sort of been interesting, um, you know, going to university and and, and learning, um, you know, not only the art world um, or, or you know multiple aspects of art, um, but also tell Maori. So my background is is that have always identified as being Maori, um, but you know, pale skin. Blonde hair, blue eyes, green eyes, hazel eyes, yeah. <laughs> so it's it's sort of one of those, you know, those upbringings of living in in um, urban areas um, and being detached from Te Ao Māori, um, from Marae, from Tikanga, from all of that. And then um, I, I went to TA boarding school as well, Te Aotea. Um, so you know, was exposed to it through there and then went to Massey and, and in essence was was a decolonial process in itself, um, a decolonizing tool. Um, yeah, so it's it's been an interesting journey, I think. Um, yeah, just different, um, not better or worse or anything, just, just a different path. Um, yeah, so yeah, I, I, that's sort of, where I come from um, for the That's last year. Yeah. And now, and yeah. now you've been teaching for a while though, eh? Yeah. So that, like you've led through as a, as a student, you know, Akua yeah. and then now you've been a teacher for how, how many years? Close to 20, nearly hitting 20, nearly hitting okay. 20 days, yeah. So Do you only look 20 years old, me? <laughs> <laughs> I ain't. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, so what, I are you, started, what are you teaching? Well, I teach, I teach um, the digital work. Um, yep. But we also teach the business or the professional side as well. Um, so I, I started teaching at uh, Te Whare Wānong or Aonui Arangi over in Whakatāne. Um, oh, so man. I was, I was uh, you know, Julie Palmer Pengali, um, Rangi Kippa, Dad, Dad worked there, Amy Ratana worked there, um, uh, TK Tikwiri. Uh, Butch, Spock, there's there's a few of us. Some big names, um, yeah. Yeah, some a few of us big names, and um, well, they they had the big names. I was just a young fella, um, but then I yeah left there. Um, well, we all got the chop, really. <laughs> it was yeah, 2008. You know that area where everything took a dive, mm. so we sort of took a dive with that. Um, but then yeah, six months later. Um, started at uh, Wairiki in Uturua, yeah. um, which is now Toyoho Mai um, yep. Institute of Technology, and been there, yeah, going on about 12, 13 years, 14 years, somewhere around there. Wicked. And um, yeah, so teaching lots of digital art, lots of Photoshop, Illustrator, um, you know, 3D stuff, moving image stuff, heaps, just heaps, heaps of digital um, things, uh, building websites out of advertise and promote yourself online um so lots of social media yeah. uh, lots of advertising promotion marketing um and just business sort of stuff in general how to actually set yourself up as a business 
Yeah. Um, what steps do you need to take to go through in order to do that? And that's um, an interesting combination, eh? Because a lot, a lot of the time, the artist is the artist, and then the business person is the business person. You know, yeah. I know firsthand. I've had to learn how to be the artist and the business person at the same time. Um, so it's it's pretty it's pretty cool that you've you know you've got those both of those sort of booking a coming in and working together. Yeah, it's it's I mean it's been interesting. Like um, like when when I did my undergrad, my wife was majoring in marketing, so that sort of helped. <laughs> um, but I was I was interested in that side myself anyway. Yeah. Um, but while she was learning, I was sort of you know looking at her mahi and, yeah. and sort of soaking it up. But then after that, just keep growing it, keep growing that knowledge off my own bat. Um, but even, yeah, lots of the digital stuff was just all self-taught as well. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting, you know, in, in, in the qualifications and the art qualifications now, like com compared to what they used to be, a lot of the art qualifications now, like if you go into an art degree, there is a business component of that. Yeah, which is good. Um, yeah, which is which is good. Um, you know, there's there's always you know pluses and minuses. Like you don't want to make it all about business of art. Hey, yeah, you want to create yeah. art for art's sake, but yeah, as well as that, you want to be able to make a living. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it depends on the student really as to what they want to do. But generally, mm. if they're serious about art, then they go and do a degree because they do want to make a living out of their art. So that sort of goes alongside that but in the same in the same breath like you know if you've got a fine art degree that focuses just on art then if you're putting business in there too then then your art you know there's, yeah, there's yeah, so there's many gonna, hours there's gonna be some yeah some sacrifice yeah. or something eh? yeah that's right um yeah. and it and i'll tell you it's the hardest thing to teach the students too because they don't want to do it <laughs> That's Nobody wants to learn stuff. about tax. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Yay, tax, you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's that time of the year at the Funday tax time. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah. so that that's cool. That's laid down some good threads that we'll that we'll come back to, bro. But I think, um, like we talked about, I think it's good if we start at the start. Um, so you know, my te oroko hanganga. Um, and this is something that I've been really excited about. Um, you know, really diving into. We started these sorts of wānanga, these these kōrero with um, um, kanapu, and then also with with um, Mr. G. And we'd had little touches in in different um, blockchain navigator yarns. But looking at the atua of the metaverse of the blockchain, you know, like we engage with our atua here in in Te Ao Māori and Te Ao Kiko Kiko, Te Ao Wairua, um, and this is emerging as a Hawaii ho as a as a new um, frontier as a new um, space, place, environment. Um, and one of the questions I've been really, you know, turning over and really curious about is like, how do we engage and like, are there atua within the blockchain? If there aren't, do we make some? Um, do we look at our atua that we have in Te Kiko Kiko and what are the qualities that they have um, that we can see in the blockchain and kind of pull up and I know you've done a little bit of a little bit of a ruku into this sort of kaupapa, bro. So I'm keen, keen to you know really um, give it a good go. So how about we start at the start, eh? You know, yeah, share bro. some some of your fakaro, bro. Yeah. Um, so I've I've actually been researching this very thing for the last decade. Um, so close to ten years ago, I think I I um, 
I started, uh, I did my first augmented reality project. And back then, you know, um, iPhones were powerful, but they weren't that powerful. So I'm talking yeah. about AR through um, webcam and stuff. So it was basically through web apps that we that I was doing this. Um, and I put a collection of T-shirts where if you went to a website, it would throw up Atua. Um, but okay. I actually went back to the, you know, the the usual cliche, Tane and Rongo and, um, you know, the usual ones, um, Tu, Tu Matauinga. Um, but that's what got, got, you know, got me started thinking about, actually, you know, these, these Atua, uh, you know, well, obviously they're awesome, but, but for Te Aumariko, you know, or Te Aumatihiko, what, you know, who, who are those Atua? What could those Atua be? Um, Just so before I, you dive into there, bro, can you give us a little bit of an idea of Te Aumariko versus Te Aumatihiko? Uh, so Mariko is more like the, the virtual. So if you're if you're in the metaverse, then you're living virtually. Um, but to me, Te Aumatihiko is more about, um, you know, I'm sitting here in the physical and I'm, and I'm working on my computer, um, but I'm not existing necessarily in the virtual. So Te Aumatihiko is more about existing in that virtual space, whereas Te Aumatihiko is about using the tools at hand i.e. Uh, digits so mati you know fingers and the digital digit is comes from fingers right so when we're sort of thinking about te ao mati hioko, it's more about how we sort of do things with our tools um whereas te ao like the you know the the mm. universe it's more about being inside uh, the metaverse sorry it's metaverse. more living yeah. inside that space um but it, you know, even even the metaverse, it's it's, you know, uh, sandbox, uh, Decentraland, all of those ones. Other side, like, yeah. Yeah. So there was, there's actually, it goes back even like quite a while ago, because um, around that time, uh, there was this uh, app called Second Life, this web app. Um, so if you're familiar with Second Life, it literally is Decentraland. They had their own currency. Um, there was even a a woman, I think, from Japan. Um, so we're talking over a decade now that um, a, a real estate agent in real life started her second life as a real estate agent, sold digital real estate within second life and became a, a, a millionaire. The first person. Okay, to do it. 10 years and ago we're, too. We're talking, we are talking about 10 years ago. And that yeah. wasn't through crypto or anything. That was through purchasing second life currency selling that growing that and then converting it back into real world currency um yeah so anyway That's going crazy. back to the the difference um chicle so yeah just the difference it's um mati is, is more about your fingers and 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 that portal staying in the real world but mariko is more about in the actual metaverse cruising yeah. around and yeah yeah um yeah, so back to the Atua, sort of, I, I was sort of thinking about uh, who who would be who would be the Atua, you know, the the Atua Matua, who would be the most prominent. Um, and then digging around, it, it sort of came to Te Uira. So for me, it's it's he is the Atua Matua of all digital technologies, and to be honest, even all electronic technology so even 
things like ang angle grinders and saws and all of that stuff yeah um because you know without that electrical current none of those things work yeah so um, essentially yeah. he's the one that brings them al alive yeah yeah so he's he's the one that gives gives the whole life but i'm also mindful too that you know you know it's 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 a physical it's a um physical manifestation it's a uh um yeah from the from the natural and the real world um but it still runs it still runs this virtual still runs to our medical and there's and there's uh waihiko as well that um recently yeah. we were talking about um with um che and hananam and the ariki crew um Ariki Creative, they they just put out a beautiful puka puka. It's awesome. Go and hit, check it out. Ariki Creative, Waihiko. Um, and that also talks about the whakapapa of Waihiko, you know, coming down and then being this, this atua wahine in this space. So, yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. Eh? Um, so thinking about that, that forms the basis of this digital world. But then I know you looked a little bit deeper. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so, yeah, dug deeper. <laughs> Had a look at um if there's that nervous laugh bro um they had a had a look at you know what are the what are some of the main or or distinguishing characteristics of of te Matihiko and te Mariko? um for me one of one of the main ones is is tane um tane mahuta and reason being um and it's 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 a little bit going back so if if you go to um you know our education sort of um websites um the government ones they you know a lot of people use maui as a as a as an atua for that for those spaces in terms of innovation um however for me it was tane who was the innovative one he was the first innovator mm. um reason generations being, eh? yeah, yeah yeah so to to me it was um it was more to do with and it, and it ties into some other other quarter about innovation in itself in terms of um you know it aligns with the quarter that you have with uh the blockchain navigators too bro and i've and i've heard you say it again so uh, over and over again um so my because my understanding and my approach was sort of the same too is that you know, for for our tupuna to come here, they came to a new space in a new environment, and they had to innovate and create in order to survive and live. Mm. Um, and you can see it in all of our mahi toy, um, the 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 fakaido, um, the raranga, uh, the kofaifai. If you sort of look at some of those arts, or all of those arts, sorry, there's there's things here. That aren't anywhere else in the world. Yeah, and they're that not is, things that they bought from Hawaii. Eh? When they yeah. got here, things yeah. changed. Like our yeah. whole form of carving, eh, changed. Yeah. Well, and that's because we responded to the environment that we were in. Mm. Eh? So when you change that environment, the mahi toy changes with it. You can't. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Right. Cool, cool. So in terms of innovation, that is our tradition innovation is tradition if you're you know we we have these um we have these you know things that we call tradition you know this is traditional maori art or, or however you want to phrase that um but to me it, it's you know it's not this or that it's like it's whatever we make it 
because yeah. we have to innovate. Um, so one of the one of the things that I've been really mindful of is that when you think about innovation, and it's it's almost not quite, but it's almost synonymous with technology. Yeah. You change the tech, the the mahi changes too. So in terms of Tane, going back to Tane, um, you know there was a few brothers who were trying to push up. But he innovated. He laid on his back and pushed them up with his feet. Um, so in terms of that creation, it was because of innovation. Yeah, um, innovation that created the light, the space, the yeah. the yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so entering or not even entering, creating new space is mm-hmm. is, the, is that whole notion. And so when we're thinking about innovation in, the, in these new technologies and all of that stuff, then it, it really is about um creating those spaces for us you know for yeah. our future generations um because we're ancestors just as much as we are you know so descendants yeah yeah descendants so yeah so anyway um tani is is one of those atua that uh sort of you know creates creates space um but going on that too you know there are kōrero out there that once he split the uh, rangi and papa apart, he actually put poles up to to hold them apart. Yeah, um, mm. So that is uh, that is a technology. He's using something else in order to do something. So that, to me, in in our in our kōrero, that's sort of like the first example of us. You know, using technology. Yeah, yeah using technology. Cheetani. Yeah. But then also what he did is he, you know, um, climbed up through the rangi, um, you know, acquired those baskets, those three baskets of knowledge, Arunui being one of them. Um, and that is what gives us the opportunity to create as well um, as, as tangata, you know. So he created himself, but he also gave us the opportunity to create. Yeah, he facilitated um, that yeah. that learning or that yeah. uh, unlocking of those skills and talents and stuff within us. Eh? Yeah, and I mean, I think I think there's some other really deep fakaro around. Um, it's it's almost like that is that is you know if you think about that quarter metaphorically, it's like that is the moment in time where we became conscious. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, so Tani. Um, uh, another one is Hine Te Iwa Iwa. Um, yeah, and I can see where you're going straight away. Yeah, so this, so so once we have the, you know, once we have the the skills in order to create, then we work together to create. Um, so in terms of Hine Te Iwa Iwa, she's she's you know the atua of our woven arts. Um, so she sort of brings things together. Um, and when you look at um, Tūrapa or, or Tukutuku, uh, there's, a, there's a few names for that art form. Um, but if you, if you look at Tukutuku, it's based on a pixel grid, which is basically just a TV screen, you know. Or, or, or a pixel grid is based off Tukutuku. And, and yeah. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, 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 they stole it off us, yeah, fully, yeah. yeah. Um, so... So in terms of in terms of a, a pixel grid, you know, images made, being made up of, of pixels, um, it's the same. It's the same process. Uh, it's just blocks, um, which 
also relate to the blockchain. You know, it's just blocks of information, red, blue, green, black, whatever colors you want. And then as you add to that block, the information is revealed, the corridor is revealed. And so it's stored in smaller units. Um, we put those units together in different combinations and then we've got a whole corridor. We've got a whole store. Yeah. Mm. But um, one of the other things that I really like about about her is, is the Atua too, is, um, well, actually going back to the pixels and, you know, it's, it's our screens. Um, so there was a series of work. I, I didn't really name it this, but I spoke about it a lot in terms of um, screen culture. Um, and when the smartphones sort of came on the scene far out, that was it. Now we spend 50% of our time screens. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's only getting, it's only going to climb. So early TV days, you know, is like 10, 15%. There's some actual stats that they've done, and it's only about 10, 15 sort of percent around then. Um, but then, uh, yeah, when smartphones, like, you know, computers and stuff sort of increased, increased. But now, we, yeah, with smartphones and smart devices, we pretty much spend half of our day um, mm. just looking through this portal um, into into the digital space. So in terms of the, the screen and, and the pixel grid, again, it's, it's that portal. Um, yeah. And then the other, the other aspect to that is again, you know, Tiny gave us the knowledge to create. Um, so the, 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 one of the more important links, more important links to her is, um, and, and it, and it actually comes from a French inventor. The first automated machine, so the first machine that could run by itself to create something was a loom. Um, so yeah, in, in the weaving, yeah, yeah, weaving. It's a weaving machine. Yeah. And how hey, they woven? Oh, no, I was just saying for 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 those of us that haven't ever seen a loom, I've seen a loom. Um, when I was in Morocco, I saw them using looms to make those beautiful Moroccan uh, rugs. But um, do you want to just explain what a loom is? How it works? Yeah, so uh, basically there's lots of, um, the, you know, there's the aho and the finu, you know, the, the the string that goes down and across, right? Yeah. And then you, you throw through um, different colored, different colored um, uh, finu if you're going across. Um, no, that's the aho. So you're throwing um, different aho as you're going across and then that will uh, determine the different colors. So as you, if you want the color to show, you'll come up. And then when you want to make it disappear, it'll, it'll sort of go back down again. Um, but what this French inventor did is he actually automated it. And the way he did that was through these cards. And the cards had holes in them. And there's only two possible scenarios. If there's a hole, it'll go through. And if there's no hole, it'll stay there. And if any... If, if anyone sort of, you know, if, if any of you listeners out there um, can sort of cast your back mind back to like the 80s, <laughs> if you've seen this on TV, I, I for some reason, I just remember it. Um, the really old computers ran on punch cards. And they were and huge, they, eh? They and they were massive. fill up a whole room. Yeah, yeah. Or one megabyte. Yeah. <laughs> there was, yeah, like the, the devices that we carry now, uh, almost like 10 or 20 of those types of, or even more. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, thousands yeah, of them. Yeah. Thousands of them. Um, but what they did is they borrowed that, that technology from the loom and, and that's how they started communicating with, with the computers. So that's the ones and O's, eh? That's the ones binary and code. That's the so binary one, code. Zero or um, whole, no whole. Yeah. You know, that, that sort of thing, eh? Yeah. So binary code is just ones or zeros, yeses or nos, on or off. And so any computer, digital device, um, computerized or digital device works on that. So there's lots of different languages that sit above that and communicate, but at the base level, it's always working on ones and zeros. And it came from the loom. And it came from um, Hinetaiwa. Yeah. So on so on multiple levels, Hinetaiwa was in here, right? There's the creative aspect, the creative arts aspect. There's like, as soon as you said her name, I was like, I can see blockchain, you know, this computer here, yeah. this computer here, there's the honunga, and then the honunga between all of the other ones. Um, yeah. I can see taniko, you know, yeah. taniko, all of those different threads and stuff like that, and they're all coming together. And you're when you when when you weave, you're writing stories into it, just like mm. you're writing into the blockchain. You're creating blocks which create the story. Yeah. So on a few different levels, she's she's in there quite prominently, eh? Yeah. Yeah. So she's yeah, she's definitely, you know, she's definitely in there, you know, big time. I think. Um, but also bigger than you think too. Like, you know, one of one of the things I was sort of really mindful of is, you know, when you've got a digital experience, it is quite singular. You know, where's the where's the community? Mm. Um, and when I started streaming, um, boy, was I exposed to community. Like, you know, having a following and, and all of that stuff is one aspect, but actually experiencing and being a part of a community is is way different. And so when I started streaming, I got exposed to Discord and then boom, it was like, that's it. Yeah. And when you think about Hineti where you were and and you think about Tudap or, or Tukutuku specifically, you don't make that by yourself. You're passing nah, yeah, another person on the other side. Yeah. So yeah. Tuku is to give. Tuku Tuku is to give give. It's because there's another person on the other side giving it back to you. Oh Tahuabu. Yeah. So it's it's um yeah. So then that's where you bring in the community aspect too of, you know, I mean at the end of the day it still really is a sort of singular experience. But when you jump into the metaverse, when you're jumping into Second Life or even streaming or jumping into Discord, like I've been in a few of the um, uh, the Beaver chats and listening to that corridor in um, you know in 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 Discord in, in the uh, in the chats is not the chats the the you know the, the AMAs and stuff yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's just been really cool it's just been really cool heaps of people sharing um, you know after when I first started streaming. Um, uh, who was actually one of my my students? He goes, oh, make me a mod. So I, I made him and and another woman who lives in Japan a mod. Yeah. And I could see what they were doing, but I had no idea how to do it or what they were doing really. Yeah. But they were setting up my Twitch stream, jumping in bots, and yeah, there we go. There's the bro metal, true metal. Yeah. So, so just want to shout out to all the all the Twitch crew um, who are jumping into this yarn. It's, it's yeah. awesome to connect with you fellas. Namahi the super gang. <laughs> um, so so metal, um, 
uh, he he helped me heaps in terms of just I could see what he was doing, but I, he was just doing all sorts of different stuff, craziest. And that's it, you know. As uh, make my one, I just said um, the community and supporting one another. So that's that's it in a nutshell. And to me, yeah. that's that's Tutu Maori is. And it's the same, you know, for Karuna kia hine te uiwa when, when, when um, the whanau is sitting down to weave, all weaving together, everyone having different different roles, you know, e tahi kei te haro, e tahi kei te, kei te raranga, kei te whakarite, or yeah. that, that kind of traditional scene when you think, like, yes, yes, we weave on our own, yes, people weave on their own, but as well as that, there is that communal aspect when you're, when you're mm-hmm. you know, laying down a kaupapa together. Yeah. Um, and yeah, no, that's that's cool. So, in the blockchain, and that's choice because you know, like in a lot of in a lot of spaces and a lot of ways, our atua wahine have been deliberately suppressed. You know, through colonization, those were the first mm-hmm. first ones to get relegated to the background. You know, we did we did still get um, written down stories of Tane and Rongo and Tangaro and all of them, but. All of our hine were quite, you know, it was quite hard to hear about or, or see them. So it's cool to be able to kind of bring them more to the forefront um, yeah. in these spaces because mm. we know, you know, that uh, hine, ngā, ngā hine, they're all always present. Um, so it's, yeah, it's it's cool to see that thinking and te rā mahitahi o tāne o hine, kei te whakaro ki ngā rua. So I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, other atua in that space, rua te pūkenga, rua te horohora, rua te wānanga, all of those kind of receptacles of knowledge, um, different ways that we store knowledge, um, yeah. and and kind of like thinking internet and blockchain. You know, if if that's rua te pukenga, then when we learn something, we're going to put that knowledge into rua te pukenga. So putting it into the blockchain, putting it on there, holding it for us to be able to reach back to and and grab later on, or to be able to share with others. Yeah. Um, yeah, did you come across any other atua in, in that space, or you know that were you know coming to the forefront for you in your in your studies? Yeah, there's there's in a research? couple more. There's a couple more. Um, so uh, another one is Rongo Morairo. Um and we we didn't actually uh, have a quote at all about about him, um, but it's it's you know the, the atua of performing arts. Um, so I've, I've heard some kōrero or seen some kōrero about rongo marairo, uh, otherwise known as um, uh, rongo matane. Um, so the, the kumara, um, yeah. atua of the kumara. Um, and and uh, uh, the harvested foods. Um, yeah, yeah, cultivated, eh? The cultivated so foods. So all of those so, things that we kind of put effort into grooming preparing yeah. planting harvesting mm. um yeah and so uh, but yeah so in in a broader context like he he's the atua of those types of foods and then at the time of matariki that's when all of your harvesting is done and it's full and it's plentiful so there's lots of feasting and alongside that feasting there's lots of performing arts yeah and coming into the space yeah so in in essence it's sort of like um uh you know we 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 go to these spaces to uh entertain ourselves mm. um yeah. you know to get to get away to get away from you know our mahi during the day 
from our, you know, a-hole bosses if we have them or, or what have you. Um, hopefully so, we don't. Yeah, yeah, hopefully <laughs> we don't. My boss is awesome, so I'm cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so so uh, yeah, Rongo is is in there too, in, in terms of you know, creating content for people to you know come and watch and see and view and take part of sometimes even. Mm. Um, but then the other one is uh, is Maui. Maui does come into this, but I but I think about Maui in a different different way in a different context as to as opposed to technology. Yeah. Um, and it's. It's it's sort of a, you know, I always thought he was a bit of an eek. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, like as a little boy <clears throat> reading, um, uh, you know, the the books that were illustrated by by Gossage, um, you know, I always thought he was a bit of an egg because you know why 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 do you want to smash something and why do you want to just throw things away, you know, that belong to your kuya, and. You know, I always thought he was cool as well, but I always thought about that other side to him that was like, "Far, you're an egg," you know. Yeah, that duality. Yeah. So, yeah. Why are you so disrespectful? Yeah. Um. So how I relate that to the digital world, or, or why he's in the mix is that um, there's there's two parts to this because he was a shapeshifter too. Mm. And, oh yeah, metaverse skins, your avatars and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, your yeah. skins, your avatars, and but they are there for a reason, you know. There's a reason why you don't dox yourself, and they are very, you know, they're, they're very real reasons. Um, and it, and it all has to do with safety. Um, and it's that transitional state between who you are in the real world and and who you are in the digital world. And Maui was was interesting because he he could live in both the spiritual or the atua world as, as well as our own. He, he was human. He was born human, but then he was, he was raised by the, by the atua. So, you know, he could traverse, he was given powers, he could shapeshift. Um, and there's one corridor where he literally takes his wahine's face and puts it on his own. Mm. Um, uh, I, I, I don't know why I still need to do some digging in, but in terms of, you know, avatars and all of that stuff and securing your identity uh, to keep you safe from the bad side, you know, the good side and the bad side, then it's that's sort of what I'm thinking about with, with Maui. Cool. Uh, There's a different lens yeah. on the May than, than we usually get. Like I yeah. always get the, the, the tutu and the innovative, but also just like, how does that work? How does that work? How does that mm -hmm. work? What happens if you do this? Like that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but I also think like it's a real good, you know, reminder for us to really examine those stories, mm. to really look into those stories. Um, one of my tuakana, Antonio Te Maioha, he did a really um, a beautiful kind of rendition or, you know, like he did heaps of rangahau. And then he he wrote a beautiful rendition of, of Maui Mahuika story. So the, the short story, the short Reader's Digest version that we know is Mahuika. Um, he, he wahine, he tohunga. She was over there, separated from the village. Everyone was kind of scared of her. Um, Maui went over, asked for her fingernail first. He put out all the fires, then he asked for her fingernails, and then he decided to extinguish all of them bar one. And then she got angry, threw it at him, missed him, apparently, and then it went into a tree. And then that's how 
you know, we got those trees to hikahi. That's that's how we could um, make fire. That's the generally known story. But um, yeah, the the bro Antonio, he he was like, well, first of all, I don't reckon Mahuika was that stupid, and I, I I really agree with him. So he was he was saying, you know, if you were Tamanui Tera, um, would you send your son down to marry an idiot? Like you're an atua, you know, you wouldn't send your son down to marry an idiot, and then you know from them came came the fire. Um, so that's that's the first thing. Second thing, if she was charged with looking after the fire, this ahi, this this tool that keeps us all alive and warm and means we can cook, means we can do all these things. Again, you wouldn't have an idiot in charge of that, would you? You know, like that's the survival of your people. You wouldn't have an idiot in charge. She's living off off to the side, away from the people. Often our tohunga were, um, you know, koatsutahi te fetutarake i te rangi. The, the tohunga were set apart, and it wasn't because they were outcasts. It's because they were so tapu in the, in the knowledge and the things that they did. It needed to be looked after, and it needed to be not in the middle of all our noa, you know, mahinga kai and all of that sort of stuff. So, you know, that's there. And then the, the, the kicker for me was like, you know, Everyone thinks that um, Maui was tricking her, but what happens if she was testing him? She was testing him to see if he was responsible enough to take care of this thing, you know, this 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 thing called fire, whether he was onto it enough to look after this thing called fire. And actually, he failed the test 19 times. <laughs> he messed up. He screwed up. And maybe she was always going to put it into the rako because the rako of Tani, they're dependable. They're reliable, you know. They're always going to be here. They they exist and they breathe life, you know, for us, um, you know, and all of our connections and stuff like that. So even just like looking at that story, that one story a little bit differently can give us a different lens yeah. on things. And and I really invite people not to just look at our stories with one, you know, face value, especially because most of them, you know, and and uh, you know, through colonization and stuff, most of them were written down by Pakeha. Yep. Missionaries, even, you know, so yeah. they're looking at it through the Christian point of view on top mm. of being Pākehā and male. So, like, yeah. it's, yeah, it's a real interesting thing. So, I, I think I really like that that look at Maui as, you know, and he was on that line and it could be, you know, he, he could also be the atua of scams. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he could. He right. could. Right, pools right. And, and things like that, you know, because he, he, he did things in a um, not always straight up and down way. Yeah. You know, like uh, that's, that's something for us to think about, I reckon, is, yeah, yeah. and th that's cool. So, hence, we, the, hence the beware of the Maui who changes face and shapeshifts. Yeah. Yeah, you don't know. You don't yeah. know. And I, and I think that's a big thing, and we've mentioned it a couple of times um, before, is that, you know, so that, that process of doxing, doxing, revealing your identity and stuff, and then how do we in our metaverse space um and and you know and in, in that space how do we use our tikanga to um to be able to keep our ourselves and each other um safe yeah and so it might be that process of a pohiri might be doxing you know maui turn back into maui again you know stop being the kereru or the you know whatever you are in this particular um form mm -hmm. so i can see who you are so i know i can trust you yeah, you know, uh, real yeah. world boys. 
that's real cool. Were there any other like things around Maui that came up for you, bro, in your research? Uh, yeah, no, <clears throat> just just those ones, bro. Um, mm. yeah, yeah, just yeah, just that context, really, just that con or concept. Yeah. But yeah, you know, again, it's yeah, it's you know, all of our era was metaphorical. Yeah, yeah. Don't, you can't take it at face value. You sort of got to look behind and off to the side and under and on top, and you know, you got to look at it from all different angles yeah um yeah don't just read what's in front of you think yeah. a little bit deeper think a little bit further push through push through what's in front of you mm. and, I, and i think that's a good segue into like the art bro mm. you know like we can make art because it looks nice but what about yeah. the story you know what about you know what does it mean what are you commenting on that's something that i know you you know you you're quite um passionate about quite strong and should we roll into that quarter at all yeah yeah for sure yeah well i mean you know in essence my mahi itself for the last 10 years has been this um has been you know what are we going to do yeah the digital the digital universe is is well it's already here so yeah. what are we going to do how are we going to set ourselves up um there was a bronze sculpture that i did over in um, taranaki in, in the city there and it's a, a pixelated tiki. So heaps of people sort of jumped on social media and, oh, it's a square poo. I don't know where that comes from. Um, and then and then one of them was like, oh, man, Minecraft, uh, you know, lawsuit waiting to happen, appropriation, rah, rah, rah. Yeah. Um, but I named it tiki, T-I-C-H-I, and it's oh, yeah. pixelated. So if you spell the word T-E-C-H, you come up with tech. So you yeah. still pronounce it ticky. Yeah. Um, and it's a ticky form, but it's, it's pixelated. Yeah. Um, or voxelated. It's a three-dimensional pixels. So yeah. it's this big, massive two-and-a-half-meter bronze. Um, but through that mahi, I'm literally talking about technology, the old and the new, and how we're going to shift, how we're going to migrate um, from a Māori from a Māori lens, like how how do we navigate this space? Mm. And so pretty pretty much all of my mahi for the last 10 years has been about either colonization, identity, um, appropriation and, and stealing, cultural misappropriation, but yeah. also about how are we going to prepare ourselves for the coming digital digital space. Yeah. When, I, when I started doing augmented reality, um, I, I did this interview with, um, it was sort of like a staff sort of newspaper. Yeah. So this woman was interviewing me and she was like, oh, so how, how can you doing this? And I said, look, in 10 years, this technology is going to be everywhere. Mm. Sure enough, 10 Pokemon years later, Go, bro. Pokemon Go, Instagram. That was the, filters, yeah. yeah, all the filters and stuff. But Pokemon yeah. Go in terms of AR, like yeah. that, that was the first big thing that just really, you know, everyone that, was doing. Yeah. Well, that blew it up in in a entertainment way. Yeah. Um, like AR was actually really big before that in terms of navigation systems. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, True heads up displays and, and shit. Yeah, yeah. So you'd have a heads up and then it would sort of list, you know, this is what where this place is and this is sort of star ratings and all of that. So that was yeah. that was around a long time before that. But Pokemon sort of bring it into the real uh, entertainment and the mainstream industry because – they gamified it. Yeah. You gamify something, boom. It's yeah. 
Can you just explain gamify? Because it's quite an important concept, I think, not only in um, you know, in the blockchain conversation or like metaverse conversation, but also in the marketing conversation. Eh? It's quite a quite a tool that people use. Yeah. Can you give people an idea of like what that means? Basically, if you turn anything into a game, anything into a game, then it's it's gamified. So what that what that sort of means is that if you have a task that you have to do and you get rewarded for it, i.e. V-Bucks or whatever, mm. then you've gamified that process. Um, so you could gamify education, you know, <clears> you could gamify learning, you know, give them a, a treat at the end. Um, you know, how do you spell da da da? And then if they get it right, they get a you get know, a star or something. Get a star or yeah. So it's a it's a well known and well used um, uh, strategy for all sorts of different things. It, it is really good for learning, um, but it's also good from a marketing perspective. Like at the end of the day, we can we can you know jump into Facebook for free. We can download Fortnite for free. Um, Apple, when all of those uh, game apps came on onto the Apple marketplace, they, they were quite expensive, but then they sort of dropped down to 99 cents. And then all of a sudden they were all free, yeah. all of them. And it was, it was what they were trying to do is that they were trying to entice people on to their games. Um, and then they sort of made their money through advertising and stuff. But yeah, in game. Yeah, yeah. Or, and, and the in-game pur purchases or yeah. in-app purchases. So yeah. like those they, um, photo editing software, you can have it for free, but you can only do two filters. You know, if you want the third filter, you got to, you know, you got to pay for it and stuff like that. So essentially all gamification means is that, you you know, it's, a, it's about achieving a task. Um, just like, you know, in any, most games, you've got to achieve a task. As soon as you sort of reach a, a certain milestone, you're rewarded for it. Yeah. So there goes the dopamine hit, boom, and then you're yeah. hooked. Um, and that's down to the sounds and the colors and, and wow. those sorts Every, of things as well, eh? Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're talking about communicating on so many different levels. Um, yeah. Visual, portal, you know. Yeah. And those are the things that, you know, when we're on social media, when, when we get a like, a little hat pops up. Or, dopamine. You know, yeah, you get a yep. dopamine hit, you get a feel good dopamine, just feel good. Yeah, feel good vibes, and you um, come back to more, and that makes us yeah, and that's that's part of that addictive quality as well, eh? Because we're yep. we're kind of fiending for that um, dopamine hit, yeah, and that's what you know keeps us rolling back. Yeah, give me to the likes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah. that that's where it's used as a marketing tool, eh? Yeah, so they gamified basically posting. Yeah, you know, there's your task. Put up a post. They've rewarded you with likes. The more likes you get, the more hooked you are. You come back on, boom. And then it even that that even influences the types of posts we do, because yes. if I post this sort of thing, I'll get a hundred likes. If I post this sort of thing, I'll get ten likes. Oh, yeah. it's you know, and and it's all subconscious. It's all you know. You're not even really thinking about it. No. But that's you know, those are those are real things within this world. And I think that's that's something I just wanted to pull it up so that we can be aware of it. Mm. You know, and, and same for as an artist because I could make art that I like or I could make art that I know is going to get heaps of likes. Mm. You know, like I, I already know when I post photos, if I post certain photos, I'll get heaps of likes. If I post certain other photos, I won't get heaps of likes, but I don't want to be driven by that. 
I, I want to communicate the stories that I want to communicate. And so I just post whatever I want. Um, but, you know, it's interesting to notice that, oh, you know, I, I kind of want to post more of those photos because I get more likes when I do that, yeah. you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. So I just, yeah, just for us to be aware of that stuff. Hey? Yeah. And then, yeah, so, yeah, like what you'll do is you'll see lots of art. You'll see lots of art and and I'm not trying to diss anyone or bag anyone, but it, there's no co-papa to it. Like it looks beautiful, it makes you feel good. So it sort of, you know, it 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 um it sort of approaches or communicates you in a uh, in a visual, just a visual aesthetic way. Yeah, yeah. It's an it's a purely aesthetic. Um, and there are rules, you know, there are rules that you follow by. Um, so the rule of thirds, so breaking your picture plane up into thirds and there's actually a whole, there's a whole mess of history that relates back to just that rule of thirds. And so if you look out in nature and you see how trees are broken down, there is sort of like a formula mm. and you can even hold your finger up. So there's a formula called, um, uh, well, there's a number, sorry. Uh, it's called phi. Um, so I think it's a Greek word. Um, and there's a particular number. It's not pi, it's phi. And there's a there's an equation, and you might have heard like the golden number, the golden yeah, the golden theory. mean. Yep, the golden mean, and and this is the equation right here in your finger. So the equation is a plus b equals c. Okay, so this bit plus this bit equals this bit, and you see it in nature. Oh yeah, wow! Time. And this this ratio is where the rule of thirds comes from. Now when you're looking at a painting and and you and it makes you feel like good you know that it's following those rules mm. and we and we feel that we feel that goodness because we're used to seeing that in nature we see yeah. it everywhere in the natural world if it's not following those rules it makes us feel not right it yeah. makes us feel and it is based on strange it is a feel thing too eh? yeah it's like, a feel it's, thing so i didn't i didn't study photography um you know i just learned by being a tutu and when when people ask me i oh, like how do you do that well what do you do that no i do just say like i just do it by feel mm. like this feels right if i do it like this and then if i don't do it like this it kind of feels but it just feels off like yeah. i can't really explain it so That'll, that that would explain it, eh? Now you can, bro. Got to me. Yeah. It goes and this is cool, this. having that tool. You yep. know, like that's something that we can all kind of look at and go, this plus this equals this. And you can, you know, you can see it. Yep. And then you can see it. There's that Nautilus shell, eh, that people use yep. as a kind of description because it is it is a perfect description of, of that yep. golden mean, eh? Yep. Yeah, so that Nautilus shell, the Nautilus shell, if you add two of those blocks together, that goes to the next block and then you add two of those together and then that goes to the next block so as it grows that's where our spiral comes from that yeah that golden yeah that's, and yeah. do our our like kapunga and stuff to our our pito does that follow that sort of ratio all, as well? all spirals follow that sort of same ratio um a lot of our triangles uh, follow a ratio i can't i can't recall because our triangles aren't equilateral triangles they're not equal on all sides they actually have a taller apex mm. um, and i'm pretty sure it's because of that 
it's it's not based on a even there's sort of like a 1.3 or a 1.23 sort of type number in there that's that's yeah. what he is and so yeah all of all of our mahi sort of follows that because it's a universal visual language it's it's we see it in the trees we see it in our bodies all the time we, we see it everywhere it's just a something in nature that just appears and that's um, why we can we can have those connections between us and other iwi taketake yeah. right across in a different country like uh, i remember morocco for example traveling yeah. through morocco looking at their um their mahifatu their rugs and stuff i'm seeing tanico patterns like i'm seeing straight up tanico patterns that look exactly the same as what we've got on the other side of the nation on a on a different continent yeah. um and not just in Morocco, but in Peru, I saw the same thing, which is another yeah. continent across another ocean, you know. Yeah. And so, Turtle if you look Island, at those, yeah, Turtle Island, all of the, yeah, uh, all over uh, Turtle Island. Over there. Yep, yep. Uh, they will have them as well. And but I think, I think it's like a, in relation to the woven arts, it's probably more of a process thing, mm. you know, because you're dealing with blocks, so you won't see a lot of curves because you know when you're dealing with blocks it's sort of hard to or mm. harder to create curves um but yeah no it's it's you're right it's it's that you know that everyone everyone is sort of drawing from that same space uh which is our natural world and yeah we, we do we see it all the time so you Even, so you're talking yeah. about like um some of that art we like it because it looks good because it makes us feel good but I think, you know, really want to drill down into what you were talking about, about, but what's the message? What is it actually saying? Because yeah. you, can, you can make something look good and that's cool. Yeah. Or you can make something that looks good and has a message. Yeah. So what, what we sort of learn at art school is that, you know, yes, there's lots of artwork out there that looks beautiful, but it really doesn't add anything, you know? Other than, make you, other than make you feel good it doesn't really add to anything so what do i mean by that it sort of means that you know what we what we sort of learn to be is uh, critical okay so what we're doing or what we learn to do is we learn to see and question and so when we're being critical we're being mindful and, and questioning our world we're questioning the art world we're questioning um all sorts of different things um and if you you know look at uh some of our maori artists that are questioning the government you know because of our yeah. situation and so for me it's you know when i create my work uh, it's not it's not just about making something look cool right you know this this mahi and behind my back and this mahi on my shirt like you know people might like it people might think it oh yeah that looks cool it's a uh, Autobots with moko on it or Kofi yeah. on it. There's a Nike symbol with, you know, with Fakade, high high pakati, some niho in there. So, you know, when they see it, they'll, you know, there's this sort of nostalgia. There's sort of this, you know, aspect of, ah, yeah, that's cool as. But what I'm really getting at is not just trying to make cool pictures. Yeah. You're not it's, just making it because it because it looks cool. Yeah. And I'm so, not just doing it. To get the likes i'm not doing it to, to get the to follow the trends or anything like that yeah what i'm doing is i'm communicating with us as maori like certain things different things um 
so if you sort of take this Autobots, for example, and, and you'll see it, you know, in some of the NFTs that I've got, uh, Tohuna, um, and some of the prints that I did. Um, so there's lots of 2D prints that I did a while back, years back, um, of Star Wars and, and all of those types of characters in my childhood growing up. Yeah. Um, but there's actually Kopapa behind it, and and there's sort of like a couple. So so Tohuna means to conceal. Um, and at the time I was creating that series, there was series there was lots of raru in the media about Tamoko and about people. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. About people, is it the, the appropriation and, and kind of yeah. using tamako all over the place? Well, there was that corridor, but there was also corridor about people losing their jobs or couldn't even get jobs. Um, oh, if they had a moko, yeah, 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 they yeah, couldn't yeah. get jobs and stuff like that. But then also the appropriation angle. Um, so Can when I get, stuff like yeah. this, that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you know, um, there's all of these sort of places that that steal our culture i mean did paris france a fashion mall there is a major fashion label and then on the garment it's literally a copy and paste from a google search of tamoko literally copied and pasted on the front of a garment and it's walking down the the fashion uh, runway in paris in, in, and then they're paris. gonna sell it for heaps and, you know that the you know the monetary value on that is is pretty amazing yeah. um go back to the early 2000s when i was studying lego um when they created their first bionicle series yeah they were all atua there was <laughs> Tane, there was Rongo, there was, oh man there was two and they, they just were making paper off it yeah, yeah, well, they sort of started to, but then, nah, man, you ain't doing that. Yeah. So that's what we're really good at, you know, for Māori. We're actually really good at policing that because we um, see it and we get on and we give them heaps of stick. Yeah, we'll hit them up about it, yeah. Yeah, so we call them out straight away. Um, but anyway, at that time, uh, there was there was lots of koiruru about, about moko and stuff. So um, I started creating a series um, called Tohuna. And the whole idea was to sort of try and talk to people about, you know, it's it's not just tattoos. Yeah. Your your moko, your especially your matura, it's it's about who you are. And and that was sort of the funny thing is that you're, you know, these people who had no idea what it is and they just take it, they steal it and they chuck it on something. And then, you know, they're, they're fully detached. They have no idea. And I'm, what I'm sort of going through the process of is that, you know, yes, these things could uh, are really important to us. So, you know, understand that and then don't take it. Um, but what I was sort of getting at, so lots of people have said, oh, you should do this, you should do this, you know, this character, this this character. And I was saying, well, no, nah, it doesn't fit the kaupapa. So what I was talking about, or how I was talking about this is that I'd always have some sort of mask. You know, if we look at our superheroes uh, in Marvel or DC, yeah, they're yeah, always yeah. masked, so they're always hidden. Apart from Superman, he's the opposite. He just yeah. takes off his glasses. But Because um, <laughs> his glasses are such a good <laughs> yeah, yeah. disguise. 
genius. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but what I was sort of trying to get at is that, you know, just as much as a mask hides, our mask in terms of our mata order actually tells, tells everything about who this person is in front of you. Yeah. It reveals every single thing, who they are, where they're from, where they sit within their within their ranking of, of their hapu or whānau, what they do. It, it tells everything. So, so through that series, that's sort of what I was basically trying to do. Mm. Um, but also while I was doing that, um, I am an appropriation artist at the same time. It's, it's a specific sort of art uh, practice. So I couldn't talk about appropriation without appropriating myself. So I had to sort of steal some stuff in order to do this. But it wasn't anything. You know, I don't steal anything. I steal particular things because it relates specifically to the kaupapa of hiding, revealing. So I'm sort of only looking at masks in for, for the Tohuna series. Tohuna 3.0 is sort of the same, um, but in a in a three-dimensional context. So a lot of my 2D um, stuff, the, the original Tohuna series was more just sort of flat, um, mm. moko, but then coming up into the three-dimensional. So that's what the new series is. Um, so that's sort of, again, the kaupapa is I'm adding to this discourse or I'm adding to the discussion through my artwork. I'm not just creating pretty pictures. I'm actually talking to people about what this artwork's about and what the impacts of this is. And I'm doing it through my artwork as well. Mm. What I'm also doing is I'm sort of looking at my own identity as well and, and the, the identity crises that I have on a daily basis. Um, you know, there's there's been so many times where people have come up and, oh, I'm looking for kiriyama. And I'm like, yeah, I'm kiriyama. And, uh, oh, oh, okay. And it's sort of the same, you know, they were expecting a really dark brown-skinned person, you know, mm. black hair, brown eyes, you know, Māori whala. And then they see me and then they get a surprise that I'm pale skin, blonde hair, hazel eyes. So it's, it's all of these identity things that I sort of have issues that a lot of us have um, mm. because of, you know, the urban drift, um, intermarriage, all of that stuff, Māori father, Pākehā mother. Um, so I'm sort of talking about those types of things. So, you know, when I grew up, these were my heroes. Yeah. These were the people that I sort of looked at, <clears throat> you know, looking at uh, He-Man and Batman and, and all of them. Um, but then on a deeper level, again, you know, um, all of that was a result of colonization yeah, and assimilation and all of that stuff. So if you think about the Autobots in particular, what is that called all about? You know, it's about an alien race coming into a space and then it's about another alien race coming into that same space to to try and get the resource which is energon yeah so there's a really strong correlation between us colonization and then <laughs> someone else coming here and trying to steal our resource yeah. so again you know it's not just about making a pretty picture there's layers okay of meaning behind that and i'm doing it for that reason is to have those conversations and talk to people about that and share that corridor 
share those mamai if if that's what it is share those thoughts about you know culture growing up in the 80s and autobots and all of that stuff yeah um, so that's sort of you know in terms of art you know sure if, if people are cracking it um and and there's lots of hype around them that's that's awesome but then you know what what we're sort of talking well what i'm sort of talking about is that you know there's the art world and then there's the art world and when you're sort of creating work that has uh you know more corded or more discussion and, and more criticality behind it then you're sort of entering into a different space you're entering into artwork that actually has true meaning yeah. um, you know when i look at these uh php projects like the, the art to me is almost meaningless um the art itself the projects the cope up of the project is really awesome mm. like you know when i look at the beavers what they're doing in terms of getting it's their, incredible uh, you know uh, investing in the community giving out free insight the only reason i invested in the beavers was because of that yeah. i saw that they were giving opportunity for our tamariki to be creative through music mm. for free yeah. you can't you, there's can't no be today there's no better kaupapa <clears throat> so that's why i invested is the art cool yes on some levels it is but to me you know it, it sort of doesn't hit the mark in terms of the kaupapa itself like a beaver what, what is you know where does that come in um yeah and bro to the to the to the um kai toy behind the eager beavers bro i'm not trying to fucking get to you, you bro it's it's just it's you know there's a there's a difference between the artwork itself and bro if you're there to have a corridor man i'd be keen to corridor as well yeah, I think like the the beaver part. Um, there was a there was a kororo that um I had Riapo. He he kind of ihura itera. It was that the beaver um builds a dam not for itself, but it creates an ecosystem for all of the other animals. Yeah. Um, so it's so it's building and so the 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 fakaro behind the beavers there. But um, like I can feel you with um like all the different attributes. Some of them are cool, like power and stuff like that. But like, mm. what relevance does laser eyes have with um, music or building up artists and stuff like that? Like, I can see what you're saying about um, some of the projects. Sometimes mm. we're creating attributes just to make another yeah. attribute. So, so it the can look different. Mark. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Now or the eight thousand mark or the two thousand mark. You know, like to me, yeah. to me, a lot of the uh, php projects that, that it's just marketing it's just a marketing tool it's a marketing yeah, tool yeah or some of them are um, massive yeah tools. they've got a cool image looks yeah. cool and it's a way that heaps of people can buy that cool image and then then they've got a lot of money from the cool image <laughs> yeah yeah um but they know how that system works they know how gamification works they know how pulling you in um and and getting that sort of it's almost like gambling eh? you know yeah, yeah, yeah. um building up that hype and they they know how to uh communicate on levels that aren't just just straight visual there's there's so much different types of communication going on um and those those like what what i see is is 
you know, those PHP projects are just that, the, the, the marketing people, they understand markets, they understand people, they understand motivation, behaviors, psychographics, geographics, all of that type of stuff. And, and, and all of those projects do tend to be set up by people from marketing, and then they employ an artist to come in. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and and some you know like that dude in in Hamilton, oh the yeah. old pixel ones, the, the artist you know, the he was doing a an NFT project. He was just doing money for a mate or something. Was, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that was a big ripoff, eh? Yeah, yeah. So, in, in terms of that, in terms of I'm going to sort of take it a bit. I'll, I'll take a step back. Um, in terms of the the art world, like you know, there's there's there are some anom anomalies for sure. Um, like if you've got a if you've grown a massive following and, and all of that stuff, um, you know you're going to have a huge hype around you, and your mahi is what it is. Whether it has real true cope up or not, it's still going to be real awesome, you know, because the culture says so, because yeah. the community says so. So you're always going to get that investment. But what I'm sort of want to talk about really is, is the difference between um, the art world and the art system. And there's sort of some connections in there and there's a bit of a process and it's a long process and you're in it sort of for the long haul. It's not a make quick buck. It's a, it's sort of like a career. It's a mm -hmm. life. It's a life thing. It's a passion thing. It's a lifelong passion thing. And all of us as artists and creatives know what we're sort of talking about here because, you know, if we don't make, if we don't create, then we, you know, our fingers yeah, sort pop. of, yeah, <laughs> we pop, yeah. yeah. So in terms of the art system, uh, and I'm going to sort of relate it back to NFTs and, and, um, and, and some other things, but in terms of the art system, essentially what you do is you, you go to the right art school. So there's different levels of art schools. Um, then you enter uh, competitions and awards. So there's all sorts of these different competitions and awards. So for all of the artists listening, um, you know, take take some of this these sort of tips um, down or some of these things down. Uh, there's these things called residencies, these scholarships and awards, but there's these things called residencies um, where uh, so the I, I went to this residency. It was pretty amazing. Uh, Banff, bottom of the Rockies, so over oh, yeah. in um, just out of Toronto, I think, or Alberta, just out of Alberta. Uh, for a whole five weeks, I was there, and all we did was make art, and I didn't pay for a cent. I applied, um, and they housed me. Uh, well, put me in a motel. They have one on campus, and then they gave me a studio um and all i had to do was just make up and it was uh, a digital indigenous digital art residency so all of us together were sort of exploring all of these different kaupapa around mahi toy um around indigeneity and the digital space te Matihiko and te Mariko. and so there were people uh first nations people there uh uh, and there's a new way uh Cora Allen uh, from Aotearoa um, but she was doing all of her tapa and stuff um oh yapo sorry aroha mai Cora um and yeah so so we all just 
sort of basically hung out for five weeks um where you exhibit you know so you have lots of exhibitions you have group exhibitions so you exhibit with groups of people and you have solo exhibitions so you have an exhibition space all to yourself and you've got to make lots of work and fill up that whole gallery all by yourself tell your stories yeah, yeah. yeah tell your own kaupapa um then there's uh you know so generally you're sort of exhibiting in galleries and when you're thinking about galleries there's sort of different sort of levels of, of galleries yeah. yeah so there's the type of galleries where they're sort of like a shop that's full of art and so if you ever go into a gallery and you see lots of different artwork from lots of different artists then that's more like a, a shop a that shop sells like art. um kuda for yeah, a could yeah. Could a gallery. Yeah, pretty much. Um, a place where a lot, whole lot of artists can exhibit their work and and sell their work kind yeah. of on behalf of it. Yeah. Um, and then as you sort of travel up, there's or well, I, I say up, um, but then you sort of come up into the dealer gallery. So when you're at art school, you're sort of you know your your goal if you're that way inclined. If that's what you want to do you, you sort of are looking at you know what type of dealer gallery would i fit with and you can always tell a dealer gallery by the way they present their artwork so if you ever go into a uh, gallery and you see only one person's work in that gallery and we're talking about a shop space you know in town uh generally you're only going to find dealer galleries in the main centers auckland wellington um uh, over in the Tron, Hamilton, uh, there's none here in Tauranga, um, down in Christchurch and, you know, those types of major cities. Um, if you ever go into a gallery, into sort of like a, a shop space, and you only see one person's artwork, then that's a, a dealer gallery. Um, and then that's sort of where you sort of want to build up towards in terms of your art career. You're sort of trying to get into... A dealer gallery um <clears throat> now what you'll sort of see is that you know when you go into those galleries that are sort of more like shops you'll, you'll see prices everywhere um and hopefully you see red dots because that means you've sold your work sold, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but when you go to dealer galleries you, you sort of don't tend to see prices um because they operate in a different way um and again, this is only just through my experience. So there's heaps of other people who might be watching in and, you know, weigh in um, with your experiences, but they they tend to target a particular audience and dealer galleries go for the one percenters. So if you look at the price tags there and you go into a dealer gallery and there is no price tag, well, then that's sort of pretty much the tell right there. You're not spending mm. a couple of hundred buck for a, for an artwork. You're sort of looking at upwards of you know a few thousand, ten thousand, hundred k sort of type mm. of artworks. Yeah, yeah. When you sort of travel overseas and start to see some of these other bigger dealer galleries, that you're looking at millions to buy an artwork. Um, and then if you're collected, you know, um, you're you're collected by so if you're represented by a gallery um that's sort of like a, a milestone as you sort of climb up the ranks um throughout your career uh and then 
the, the role of the dealer gallery is to sort of get you into the right collections. So there's lots of different institutions like museums and public art galleries like Te Papa, mm. um, you know, they're, they're sort of looking for key moments in time and key moments in history and they collect those artworks. Um, I've got like about three artworks in the Rotorua Museum collection, for example. Um, so they've sort of been tracking my career and they've been getting sort of key different artworks throughout my career since I've been there. Um, so when you're looking, yeah, so as as an artist, what you're sort of trying to do is, is get into the right collections. Now that happens on a public level, but it also happens on a private level. And when people like, again, these really very rich, wealthy people collect art, what they do is they go to the dealer galleries and then they talk to them and then the dealer galleries and the art agents are sort of advising these people and the collectors in terms of what to buy. And 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 that's sort of what that's basically the ecosystem. And that's sort of how it works. Now, after that, um, then the auction houses come in. So when people sort of get tired of their work in the collection, they'll put it through an auction house and then they'll chuck it under the hammer in hopes that it will sell for equal or more value. So yeah, when you're thinking about appreciated, yeah, yeah. So when you're thinking about art investment, okay, what you're sort of thinking about is is um, you know putting it through at some stage an auction process in order to sell it at a higher price. That's where your investment comes in. So that's that's so that's what the secondary market is. Okay, mm. so you have the primary market and then you have the secondary market. So as an artist, you know, when you're going to art school, the whole reason that you want to have layers and have real discussion and real communication through your work, not separate to your work, you know, like, you know, for me. You want your pieces to have a statement day eh, to, to yes. be carrying a message because yeah. that's what's going to engage people in the end day. Eh? Yeah. It's like, oh, that looks nice, but I'm not really necessarily motivated to buy it unless oh that looks nice and it means something to me and it's saying something yeah 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 but it's a little bit deeper than that too and and this is purely looking at it from an art career perspective yeah is that all of these things that i just explained to you in terms of competitions residencies um group exhibitions solo exhibitions uh representation um, even who writes about you and and where that information shows up, yeah. it has nothing to do with the artist. Yeah. It has everything to do with the power people <clears throat> in that system. It has everything to do with the uh, the critics, the art critics who write about art, and they write about you know good art, what they whatever what, what that they, is, what, what they, they choose to be good at. Yeah. Yep. And then they choose, you know, the curators choose what to exhibit, whether in a group show or a solo show. If you're applying for a residency, it's the person who's running and heading that curious uh, residency that dictates, is this person have mana? Does, does this person have level, value? Yeah, yeah. Are they up to scratch? Are they up to standard? So there's lots of, lots of artists out there who are cracking it. Um, in terms of you know 
I'm awesome, my mahi's awesome, but it's only them talking about their mahi. Mm. It's not other people in the know, you know, in that scene. And I'm not saying that my work is better or their work is better. I'm just saying that it's a different part. It's a different scene. And what I'm sort of kind of coming back to in terms of NFTs and, and the blockchain and, and art and investing is this, is that these are the types of things that you want to look for when you're investing for a long term in terms of art. Um, there's, and and you know, we can apply these to, to art, <laughs> physical art, but we can also apply it to um, NFT. like NFT art. And this yeah. is kind of differentiating. Or I mean, it could apply to some of the PFPs, the profile pick ones, you know, when there's 10,000 of it. Yeah. But but generally, we're actually talking more about like your work, my work, Mr. G's work, um, yeah. artists that are creating art and, and, you know, have a message, that sort of thing. Eh? It's a little yeah. bit different. Yeah. So what, what I'm, you know, the, the, the gem and all of this, basically in this, in, in this part of the corridor really is about, you know, you, you, you keep hearing, you know, well, do your research, do your research, do your research. Yeah, but what do well, you research? Well, harder, yeah, but you sort of have to know a little bit in order <clears> to <throat> do the, you know, you have to know the question in order to start answering the question. Yeah. So what I'm asking uh, or what I, what I want you to think about asking yourself is who's talking about the work? Is it the artist mm. and just the artist or is it all of the curators, all of the art critics, all of the people who write books on Māori art or art or digital art, um, are they in books even, you know? So, again, like, I, I can say, you know, oh, man, I've got awesome ads art. Um, who cares, you know? In terms of the art world, it's, I, I can say that as much as I want, but it, they're not going to listen to me. Every one of these things, every one of these things, competitions, awards, residencies, um, you know, writing about exhibitions, it, um, yeah. exhibitions, especially landmark exhibitions, you know, these really big exhibitions. It's it's other people saying that this artist, the co-papa of their work is important. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's someone else saying it. And, you know, if, if I look at Toy 2 Toyota, that is, this is, it's the last show um, for Māori art, contemporary Māori art. Um, it was the first show in 20 years. First show in 20 years. So 20 years ago, that was the last major exhibition that surveyed Māori art. It was an Auckland art gallery, a prestigious, what, you know, what you'd call a prestigious gallery. Yeah. It's a it's a public gallery, so it's it's a gallery that is is its sole purpose is to inform and to teach people. Um, but all of the 120 odd artists in that show is are important, you know, and mm. for, for for the reason that um, Nigel Burrell, the curator, you know, he's saying that these people are, are, are important for for whatever reason. Um, so when you're sort of looking for, especially Māori artists, like that's that's the book I'd get, you know. There's a book yeah. called Toy 2 Toyota. It's just come out. It's just dropped. And just got to order um, that. Yeah. I think it's on Wickles, uh, at Wickles and stuff too. 
But if if you're looking for Maori artists that you want to invest in, then I'd look at that book. And and if any of those artists start dropping NFTs, that's what I'd jump on. Yeah. Um, because you're not talking about just the digital space, you're talking about cultural evolution. Okay, so when we when we sort of, you know, when I'm talking about Kopapa discourse, um, the corridor, then, you know, uh, there are artists that are, are making really important statements through their work. Mm. Okay. And um, yeah, sort of milestones within the history of, of, of Toy Māori. Mm. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's pretty much it. What, what do you look for? You look, you're looking for, you know, I mean, it, it depends as an investor. Like, if you like their art, doesn't matter. Everything it's else. number one name. Like, yeah. buying, you know, I buy this because I like the way it looks. It makes me feel nice or it reminds me of something or it communicates yeah. a message that, you know, or evokes a feeling in me, those sorts of things. That's one reason to buy art. And mm. then if you're investing, that's a different thing. Yeah. And um, I remember earlier when we were talking, you were mentioning, you know, so for projects like a PFP project, like like the beavers you look at where are we going where is yes. it going to so with the beavers you know um next week we're going to be dropping um instruments off oh this this week we're dropping instruments off to to a couple of kura um they were decided by the community which is so awesome um yeah. but then you know you look at what's happening after that you know the community is going to vote and nominate uh an artist that will be then mentored by um sons of zion kings and stan you know, and then, you know, so we've got a, like a roadmap of where that project is going. What I like oh, yeah. is, hey, when you described it to me, you said, you know, for, for these sorts of projects, you look at where is it going, you know, where, what's the trajectory, like what are the things in the plans? But when you're looking at an artist, like say Mr. G, um, who we interviewed last week, <clears throat> you look at where he's been, Yeah, you know, for the last yep. 18 years, he's been working and creating as an artist He's mm. he's got a track record. He's got a history. Um, he's been in the news. He's you know like people of Star Wars have reached out to him to to create the piece for Uncle Tim, like mm. all of those sorts of things that kind of tells yeah. a story about where he's been. Like yeah. when you're looking about where someone's been, is that generally what you're looking at? So you're looking at kind of like have, have they had residencies, have they had yes. exhibitions, that yep. sort of stuff. But what else? Yep. Like what do you look at? Well, you look at all of those things and, and what you're looking at is, well, essentially like a lot of, you know, career artists will have a bio on their page and it sort of lists, you know, a lot of the exhibitions, the residencies, uh, their bibliography. So what books have they appeared in? And so what you want to do is you sort of, in terms of, you know, figuring out where an artist has been, you look at their bio because that shows you what they've done for the last X amount of years. And then you research each one of those things and figure out, is this him talking or is this other people sort of saying, yes, he's got something of value to say to culture itself. Yeah, you're not there to pump yourself up. Um, yeah. But if other people are talking about you and saying, hey, actually... What, yeah. what she's creating is is amazing you know like yeah. um, you know it's that kind of e external um mihi i guess yeah. eh? rather than yeah. are they just doing a mihi to themselves yeah 
yeah that's right so I've, you know like uh, I, I don't i don't mean to sort of bow my own horn or anything but again like you know i've got some public sculptures out there um i've done some exhibitions you know and, and all of this stuff um but if you look into those projects and if you look into those um exhibitions you know it's these people that have given me those opportunities because they see that what I'm trying to say in my work has long lasting sort of, you know, impacts. Yeah. My work is not just going to sit there and look pretty. What I'm sort of bringing up and talking about in my work is we're, we're still going to be sort of talking about it for the next 10 years. Mm. Um, you know, when you, when you, you know, sort of look at toy to toy order, and and you, you you know i'm in there you see my mahi in there you know some of the quoted order that i'm talking about like fuck a pee you know that it's it's almost like a it's it's almost like a setting up a whole art movement in itself mm. and so if people buy into my ideas of around fuck a pee and and how to navigate or, or want to navigate in this digital space then you know you sort of think about cubism who who started that you you'll think of someone you think about pop art just sort of think about someone and it's sort of those types of and i'm not putting myself up at there at all no but, but it's, it, it's what you think about that's it's what those types to. of notions and, and connotations that it gives so you know picasso the the father of of cubism you think of andy warhol he's mm. he's the father of pop art yeah. um you know so when you when you sort of think about those art movements and you're thinking about these moments in time and mo moments in culture and moments in history especially in an art context of art history um you know a, a lot of the people within their book they're going to learn about them they're going to learn about these people in that context or in that way or in a similar context or a similar way 10 20 30 40 50 years down the line because it's recorded in history in a particular way. Now, this is sort of where it gets a little bit interesting because this is a system and it's a system that is a central system. Mm. And this is, and you know, yeah, things like yeah, that. It is there's lots of elitism, lots of, you know, snobbery and, and I, I don't sort of like that myself. Um, but it is what it is, you know, um so as an artist like if you want to sort of navigate that space or or go into that space that's something to sort of be mindful of and be aware of is that it may not fit true to you um so then you know find other ways mm. and i guess that's a that yeah well yep nfts and things like that like i because i see like the art world and i can see that kind of gatekeepy aspect of it it's only cool if we say it's cool mm. um you know that that really controls a lot of it but i guess like what blockchain does like what the internet does is it actually like so before the news used to be only what what the news says is, is yeah. important now social media we say what's important and yeah. and you know we tell that story it's like you know with my work specifically something that is underpinning everything I do with with my mahitoi with my photography is, you know, for ages, the news and they were like the 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 trendsetter, the the taste maker. They were saying sick Maori, sad Maori, bad Maori, unemployed mm. Maori, 
yeah. stealing Māori, violent Māori, all of that sort of yeah. thing. That's the message that's going out there. Those are the only messages getting through. But then social media, man, like it's it's my mission to show talented Māori, loving Māori, caring Māori, genius Māori, you know, successful Māori, all of these sorts of things. And, you yep, know, it away. Yeah, yeah, well, and it's, again, it's taking the power. It's decentralizing the power. And yep. so I can also see that happening with blockchain with the art world because for years the art world has been controlled by you know certain groups of people yeah and i'm not saying don't look at the history of an artist like because i i do you know and i look at you know where have they come from where are they going if i'm going to invest in an art piece like i invested in yours i know you're not going to disappear tomorrow Mm. i know you're going to keep pushing boundaries in the space i know you're going to keep creating work so i know in 10 years those pieces that i have of yours I believe they will be very valuable, mm. you know, and I, and I hope to provide the same value for the people that buy my my works. I'm not going to stop doing this tomorrow. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. and when you when you talk about it, you know, like I'm going to be um, taking our exhibition into Te Papa. We've had it at Waitangi, so we're still kind of ticking those boxes, but that's not the only way yeah. now because we have decentralized, and that's what's exciting about nfts is you could find someone that has no track record yeah. that has no history but they're telling a real compelling story or they've got you know really powerful art and that person could just go viral because they are compelling because they are powerful yeah. and that flips that whole oh you yeah have to do this and you have to do this and you have yes. to get a residence yeah. and you have to get an exhibition yeah. they can flip that whole thing on its head which yeah. is like exciting as well yeah. So it's now like what what I can see and what I'm hearing in your corridor is that you have to look at transition. both. Yeah. Yeah, yep. we're in that transition time where you have to look at both. Where you have to go. I mean, I still do. I look at artists. Same with investing in Mr. G's work. One because I think he's an awesome dude. Like as a person, his choice, his art is epic. I'm like amazing as. Yeah. So lucky oh, to have yeah. this piece behind me. Um, but I also believe, you know, I look back, okay, sweet. He's been working at this for 18 years. He's been telling stories for 18 years. He's been creating for 18 years. He's going to keep going. So I know, you know, or I can trust that it's that sort of thing. Yeah. You know, going forward, ka whai hua, you know. Mm. Not that I want to sell his work, but. Because I'm also buying because I love it, you know. Yeah. I'm not just buying it because one day it might get me lots of money same as your you know your work i actually yeah. like it it's cool i like looking at it i like i like the story that it tells yeah. um you know and so i think you know for for our fun eh? um you know look at look at it on all of those levels mm. don't just look at it like is this going to make me money yeah you know and i think that's there's a lot of that kind of greed that has come into the nft um space definitely with a lot of yeah. the pfp projects but also a lot of the art stuff it's like and, oh, uh, you can make yeah. thousands of dollars yeah just through selling this you know so that's there and you can do yeah. that and if you want to invest in that then sweet that's cool yeah. it's up to you but like here's some other things to think about one yeah. who is the artist you know what are they talking about where have they come from and where are they going like those mm. are all all things that that should you know at least cross your mind when you're looking at something. <laughs> yeah. Especially and, if you're uh, gonna go put your hard-earned money in there, you know? Yeah, for sure. And uh, what's interesting though is that I'd I'd say 
that the only reason we're having this discussion right now is because of the system. And what happened in February 2021 was the Beeple sale. Yeah. That was through an auction house called Christie's. Yeah. And that auction house sells work by Andy Warhol. Yeah. It sells artwork by Basquiat. It sells all of those big names. It sells all of those big cultural names. Now, if you in 10 years look at uh, there's there's these art books called Tashin. And T-A-S-C-H-E-N. Now, if you go look, so they do art history type books, right? Yeah. And they 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 pick out really important kopapa within the art world. Mm. But they also do large sweeping historical views as well. Um, now, the interesting thing is that if you look at some of those historical art books, you're going to see that. You're going to see um, Andy Warhol, the father of pop art. Yeah. You're going to see you know whoever as as the head of or the inventor or the father of that you know or the mother or the mother <laughs> yeah yep. but generally it's a male dominated space as well, well you know to be honest, that, that's another thing that we that we yeah. need to flip yep so yeah. to be honest that is it pretty much is all full of males um there are some females though which is awesome um in 20 years time when you look back in art history when one you're of those people books, you're going to see people as the father of nft art and yep. potentially i don't think so but potentially digital art when i was in new york about five years ago four years ago uh, i went to a digital art exhibition and what i was completely blown away by was all of that art was from the 70s wow wow that just went. So here I was thinking, I was like, yeah, it's man, I've futuristic been and... ages and, you know, da 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 da. And then <laughs> the 70s, they were making digital art. A lot of it was physical. And there are some problems with digital art. And, and this is what the NFT and the metaverse space sort of looks at, sort of um, uh, making easier in terms of accessibility. Like, um i've had people approach me to sort of you know do digital artworks but how is that stored like i i made this game um uh, a few uh, a while a few years ago now um and the game was is a rough is an appropriation of the game space invaders yeah and that in itself should say you know you should already know what i'm going to talk about so the name of this game of Space Invaders. I called it a very brief history of Aotearoa. Yeah. Um, I had the the fire comes in. Yeah. So well, I had the fire. I had the fire as the the ship down the bottom. Yeah. You no, know, that that's defender. the character that you play, the defender. And then there's three levels. So the first level is uh, the. Uh, Cracky, that's the the mitre, which is the Pope's hat. So when the missionaries came oh, over, religions and yeah, but it's it's the it's the coming of the religion. Then the third level is the crown. So there's lots of crowns that you sort of got to get through. Um, so it sort of signals the signing of the treaty. And then there's the beehive at the end, and mm. then you you kill them all off, and then the beehive comes down again and down again 
and down again. And it's just, you keep playing the same level of the beehive over and over and over and over and over. And you can't win. Our story. Yeah, yeah. You can't win. You can't Fire beat it. So this, this artwork, it, it actually existed pre that big. So I did some big sculptures outside to Papa and, and there was four sculptures, um, two meters tall or something of, of all of these separate characters. There's a big QR code. You scan the QR code and it takes you to the game that you can play. But it sort of tells you about that, that you know, that really loose, quick history of, of our thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but, but sort of going through and playing this game, and I've totally forgotten where I was taking this. Um, so I'll sort of segue into another kōru. <laughs> um, yeah, but anyway, sort of looking at digital tech, um, I think, yeah, I think the interesting thing is, is that when you think about the internet and when you think about the birth of the internet, like where it comes from, there's, there's some interesting things. Um, you know, like I said, it's, it's interesting how, you know, because NFTs were sort of around, I think, 2017, 2018, that's sort of when they first came on the scene. Yeah, it's been a um, while. It's been a little while. But then it wasn't because of, it was because of the Beeple sale. It wasn't uh, mass adopted. That's yeah. that's the difference. The technology was there, just like AR was there, but it wasn't mass adopted yeah. until, you know. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, I, I remember putting on some virtual reality goggles in about 88 in Auckland at an arcade. Yeah. And the graphics were absolute uh, rubbish. But yeah, back in the 80s, I put some goggles on. Yeah um but what i really love about the online space so it, it carries across like you, you you've heard me talk about auctions and yep. you've heard me talk about the secondary market and things like that which is um, what we see in the nft world as well exactly they're, they're following, yep they're sort of following the same process and they're following the same sort of um you know as you navigate through and as an artist sort of what you're looking for is is who who are the gatekeepers in the in the real world uh, in the digital world then like you mm. know who who operates these spaces uh who are the, the the major players within these spaces so you know obviously as an artist you're seeing sort of people rise up yeah um but then there's some other people around that who actually uh organize the metaverse who run the metaverse who organize these like who's the owner of OpenSea? you know yeah you know, if you had a what are they pushing person, to the front? Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, so all of these spaces, hey, that's sort of what you got to sort of really be mindful of is when we're entering into these spaces, who who are they and what what are their kaupapa? Mm. Um, there are some cool projects that I've heard of where Maori are creating their own platforms. So I think, you know, once as soon as that starts happening, I'm I'm probably gonna jump over and start. That's where we'll uh, jump on. Yeah. 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 That's where we'll jump on. I don't, I don't have the time or the energy to create my own platform, but um, there's two people that I know of that are creating their own platforms for Māori that are sort of, you know, kaupapa Māori-led. It's exciting. Um, yeah. yeah, it's just really awesome. Um, but what I really love about the online spaces is, yeah, going back to the birth of the internet, um how how it all works is like through html and stuff like that if you sort of cast your mind back to that movie tron from uh 70s or 80s it um it sort of talks about 
sort of what we're about to enter into yeah. this uh utopia um so they're trying to create this perfect world where it's all open and free access and all of that stuff and, and when you think about those ideologies you're thinking about the complete opposite of governments control um, systems and when you're thinking about you know especially for maori who have, who have been you know controlled um mm. then you know that's sort of why i've been looking into this online space is because it, it could be an opportunity for us to finally break free of some of that stuff yeah um so where the internet comes from itself it's 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 a little bit of a contradiction in itself because it it was sort of for um you know the the army and stuff military yeah, yeah yeah military but there was a guy tim berners lee who created this language which enabled him to communicate a lot easier um through computers through different for two diff, different people in different countries um, and that was called html which is how the internet you know it's the language that the the internet yeah. works but what he did is is um it was i think it was funded by the government but then he turned around you know he owns the ip but he just gave it to the world for free yeah yeah the internet is built thank you by, yeah yeah it's built yeah open source. open source open source philosophy <clears throat> which sort of has its roots in, an, in another movement um prior to that but when you're thinking about open source technologies and and decentralization i mean it just aligns with copenhagen cope up a Māori so well too yeah that, that, that's the opportunity and that's a potential um opportunity and a potential space for us to sort of sort of start thinking about it so again at a, at a really deeper level you know what i'm sort of looking at is 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 culture digital culture and and the alignment of those two things um you know there's there's a nice sink there's a nice sink there eh? mm. and it's a good thing for us to to really like look at him for you know for all of us to look at so yeah. where to next for you like in your journey for you know to wrap up our quarter you know we've talked about where you've come from and then the kind of wanang or the things that you are thinking about that i'm thinking about that we're thinking mm -hmm. about um in this space but like you know to 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 round off our wanang like where where do you reckon this is all going or where do you reckon you're going uh in this space um I've, yeah i've sort of got i'm sort of like maui yeah, i've got a foot in two doors so i am represented by a gallery um but at the same time um because my work is based on this space i still need to explore this space hmm. and so you know um throwing throwing up some you know i started putting up some nfts last year um, and i got the number one yeah, um, and I'll continue to explore this space. Um, I haven't, you know, I I was on Second Life like years ago, um, so it'll be interesting to to go into the metaverse and see how it sort of works, functions, operates, what happens, what sort of falls out of it. Um, so in terms of a you know a, a kopapa driven uh, it will still be the same for me exploring different um digital technologies and opportunities for us to enter into um creating space for our rangatahi um so that you know we do the hard yards if we do the hard yards it just means it's easier for the next gen to come in 
So if we can figure all of this stuff out, you know, I think, you know, we've spoken about Whakapapa. So we now we've got a connection to the space, but now we've still got work to do in, in terms of, you know, who's who's behind that mask, um, figuring out the best way to operate and navigate. Um, I've dropped some stuff in here as well about that, but it's just, just going to be continuing. Um, yeah, so at a, at a, in, in a deeper, biggest, largest context, that's what I'll be doing in the future. Um, but also coming up, uh, got a solo exhibition down south. Um, We're about to down south, so the whanau down there can go and see it. Uh, Milford Galleries, Queenstown. Cool. Um, and then uh, got a, a local um, show that I'm a part of. So the um, the the <laughs> if you go to my known origin, if you look at that first um, mahi uh, kamua kamudi in um, the Ao Ao collection, uh, that's being projected um, up in town on a large scale Tauranga town yeah yeah in Tauranga uh not sure if I was supposed to share that I might get in trouble I don't know <laughs> um and then <laughs> you didn't hear that and then um yeah and then I'm uh heading over to uh Turtle Island again uh got another big projection project over in um Toronto um on the the CN Tower the big the big mess in the middle of the city. Um, so that's sort of, you know, the the short term. That's what I'll be doing for the rest of the year and and got a couple of potential shows sort of lined up for next year too. So that'll be me between teaching, just, yeah, chipping away at, at those projects. Mm. That's wicked. Oh, well, I just really want to meet you. Um, this has been an awesome, awesome ruku and we've chewed up two hours just like that. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. That's it, bro. Um, yeah, and just, just to kind of recap, eh? so looking at the atua um, and, and how we can see our – because our atua, they reflect qualities or um, or concepts or values and stuff like that that we see in our world. Um, so, you know, that's, that's something that I've been really keen to um, go into with regard to this metaverse, with regard to the um, – the blockchain and cryptocurrency, um, all of those sorts of things to see, you know, how do we see ourselves in this space? How do mm -hmm. we see ourselves and our culture reflected in this space? So it's not just this foreign, um, you know, if you look online, you're only going to see Americans or European people talking about blockchain, talking about, you know, metaverse and things like that. How can we start to see ourselves in that, but also our culture? And so, yeah, really want to mihi too for that, and and for you know reminding us to look at you know a little bit deeper. You know what's what is the message? What are we trying to communicate with our art? Are we just doing it for the likes? Are we just doing it because it looks cool, or are we doing it because we're you know trying to communicate something? And I think that's something choice for any of us to look at as artists too. Mm. Yeah. Hard, bro. Hard. Last words, bro. Oh, I just you know big mihi to you, bro. Like you know to have have you know a wananga online like man this is so awesome and i've been cool. sort of waiting for years for this type of stuff you know i'm sick of i don't like reading i hate reading i'd rather yeah. watch corridor yeah, between people and and listen um and yeah so big me to you bro yeah, and bro. and all of the you know the guests that have come on prior um yeah it's and bro big me to you know 
get me on too for whatever it's worth no thank you <laughs> yeah so yeah ho hopefully some artists out there have, have got a you know a, a little bit of a you know some gems in there and, and hope potentially some investors who, who are looking at investing in nfts and stuff have gotten a little bit out of this as well but mm. yeah i'm just man i'm just super humble grateful thank you bro um it's been awesome yeah awesome and and big me to all of our fun who have st stuck through with us for the two hours i ah, yeah. mean Hey, big ups to all of you um over on the twitch space and facebook land and, and youtube um and over on twitter as well so yeah really massively grateful to everyone for joining us tonight and for the many that will join us later on I see a sleepy face over here. Tēnā koe manaki. Yeah, time for sleep. Sure. Um, yeah, tuakana, tuakana pū. Oh, Toitu te tākoha toitu. So long live NFTs. So, um, you know, in, in, in looking at how we engage with this with this space, um, te kanapu and I and, and some others have been looking at, you know, how ngā kupu, how ngā ana ki what's the language. And we're, we're, we're using takoha toitu, um as a as a name for nfts because um hetakoha it's something that you can give you can trade um in toy two one once it's written on the blockchain it's toy two it will be um it'll stay there for for ages um but it's also if i create a piece and it gets sold and it gets on sold on the on the secondary market and things like that with a with a normal art piece physical art piece if i sold it after it's gone, it's gone. You know, I don't see anything else from that. Um, but with NFTs, you know, once it's gone through, then I'll be, I'll be able to receive those royalties. My kids will be able to receive the royalties after I'm gone. So hononga, um, So yeah, nah, massive, massive kōrero. Um, thank you to everyone for for tuning in, and we'll see you on the next one. Nga. Maori ora, brother. For Maori, Yeah, you too, babe.